Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Neil Tappin and this week we are out of the UK, we're in Abu Dhabi and we are preparing ourselves for um, our first week out on, on the European tour this year and it's a big week for us because we get the opportunity to catch up with quite a few players that we're hoping to get time with and I'm joined uh, in today's special po- podcast by uh, Golf Monthly's contributing editor Jeremy Elwood. Jez, how are you? I'm alright, yes, busy day out there today, lots of material gathered. Uh, tell us quickly who you managed to get some time with today. Uh, well I started off this morning with um, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Peter Hansen, uh, upcoming Swede Johan Carlson this afternoon and we also did some stuff with uh, one other player whose name eludes me because it's been a long day I'll get it in a minute you carry on <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh, we also uh, caught up with Gary Stahl who was the, the defending champion this week out in Abu Dhabi uh, Bert Wiesberger so we had a few um, a few good interviews which you'll be able to see throughout the year uh, in Golf Monthly but uh, before we talk about Abu Dhabi there's a little bit of uh, a small matter of a few events to clear up first. And I think the first and the best place really to start is the Eurasia Cup because it's uh, it's a, an event that's growing in stature, this one, Europe versus um, uh, versus Asia. And coming at the start of a Ryder Cup year as it does, and with the captain being Darren Clark as it was, it does give you an opportunity to see, A, what he's going to be like as a captain, and B, what some of those players are going to be like. Jez, um from the, the the golf that you saw at the weekend and the team spirit that you saw amongst the European players, uh, what did you make of the whole thing, the Eurasia Cup? Well, it, as you say, it is. A, I think it's kind of seen as a testing ground, isn't it now for for, for the Ryder Cup? Um, you know, Asia is growing in prominence as a, a golfing con- a golfing continent, and I think in years to come, this will become a, a quite a significant event. It's still growing at the moment. Uh, interesting to see that, that Europe dominated it and won fairly convincingly with a, a mix of old guard and uh, young newcomers, many of whom might well be there in uh, in the Ryder Cup come, is it October or September this year? I can't remember. Uh, pass. <laughs> We've got the Olympics and the, the Open and the, there's a fair bit together. But the uh, what I was going to ask you is, the, the big question here was, we'd get a, a, a sight and a look at what Darren Clark's leadership was going to be like as a Ryder Cup captain. He did come up with some fairly unusual pairings, uh, ones that didn't people didn't see coming. I certainly, uh, Andy Sullivan didn't see uh, playing with Shane Lowry coming, but the two of them got on brilliantly and they, yeah. they formed a great alliance. Uh, so what did you make of Darren Clark's efforts last week? Well, I think he did well, and I th- but I think he had a strong team and he was always going to be favourite. And I think he did say after the event that uh, he was taking much away from this, still had things to ponder for the Ryder Cup. So I don't think he's under any illusions that a convincing victory here is going to be uh, the, the forerunner to a convincing victory at Hazeltine. But um, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. I, I'm not surprised that Sullivan and Lowry uh, paired up well together because they, they seem to be almost two of a breed in, in terms of you know playing with a smile on their face. They've obviously had great years last year, both of them. So they're probably on a bit of a confidence high. Um, so I'm no, it's no great surprise. I know opposites sometimes attract as well, but I think it's no great surprise that those two played well together. And it was interesting to hear Darren Clark say afterwards that he felt that every Ryder Cup year the captain should be the Eurasia Cup captain because uh, it, presumably it gets you just into that mindset, that mindset of it gets you to know the team, uh, certain players on the team that he might not have known very well, and it just gets you into the mindset of picking a team and picking pairings and getting an idea of what might work. I think absolutely. I mean, there's so little uh, team golf, isn't there, at, at the world level, that any chance to have an extra, you know, uh, run at it in advance 
gives you a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more insight to take into the you know let's not say it's the one that really matters but but it is oh it is the one that really matters it is the one that really matters you know we we want to retain the Ryder Cup don't we in America I don't think anyone's thinking that it's going to be an easy call Davis Love is having his second go at it uh, I'm sure he won't want to lose again equally I'm sure Darren Clark won't want to lose uh, we shall see but I think it's, it's it is a chance for him to test out pairings certainly you know he's not going to know exactly who's going to be there uh, in America but there's certainly um, some pairings there that worked well in the Eurasia Cup that could easily be tried out again in a nine, ten months' time. Yeah, indeed. And, and Bert Wiesberger talks about it um, a little bit later. We have um, a, a short interview coming up with Bert. He played in the Eurasia Cup and he teamed up with Ian Poulter on day one and they went out there and they won convincingly. And it sort of seemed to set the tone for the whole uh, event, really, from a European perspective. And I wanted just to ask you about Poulter and Westwood in particular because this was quite a big tournament for those guys because let's face it they both dropped out of the top 50 in the world they're both struggling with their their golf games they're, they're getting to an age now where it's it people are questioning whether this might be that them winding down their careers winding down um for both of them it was a, a chance to state how important the Ryder cup really is to them and that they want to be there what, what did you make of their performances over in malaysia um i think did westwood play with chris wood one day Do I? yeah um I think they're both, as you say, they are both at that age where, you know, uh, guaranteeing their spot as they perhaps once able to is no longer. There's so many good young players, aren't there? You know, Sullivan's come on in leaps and bounds last year, and he's if he doesn't get into the team, I'd be very, very surprised. Um, Poulter, in some ways, was quite lucky to get a, a pick, wasn't he, for Glen Eagles? Because he hadn't had that great a year, and I think he got a pick largely on the merit of his 75 or 80% Ryder Cup record. And he didn't have a particularly good Glen Eagles, did he? I think he, he delivered on a couple of occasions, but he certainly wasn't on his 75-80% level. It wasn't the Medina form, was it? No, I mean, that was... I mean, was which was the one in Medina where did he birdie the last, last five, five holes? holes yeah. yeah, I mean, there was, wasn't quite any of that at Glen Eagles. I think he, he played OK, but it, he was maybe fortunate to get a pick there, picking someone really on past form rather than current form, I think, on that particular occasion. And I think that, you know, we'll see what happens with Lee Westwood. He's had bits and pieces going on off, off the course hasn't he which have possibly affected his form and he is at that age where um you know there's no guarantee but Clark's going to need some experienced heads isn't he because he's going to yeah. he's, he's likely to have a lot of rookies likely to have the Sullivans and Willits and Lowry's of this world he's going to need a few of those older guys he is but you know I think I won't be the first one to say you know is Clark is Clark going to pick his old mate Westwood if, if Westwood's not in I mean, that's obviously something that people are mulling over. But Westwood has... OK, you're, you're being very cynical there, Jess. Westwood has earned the, earned the right to be picked, hasn't he? Uh, well, on past form, yeah, but, you know, there's 10 months of golf to be played between now and then, and if, if he doesn't show the kind of form required to stand up to the pressure of a Ryder Cup, then I don't think you can really... That could be an awkward conversation. I wouldn't want to be there when that one's... But, you know, it's, it's backfired in the past, hasn't it? I think... Um, did Wadkins pick Curtis Strange back in 95? And oh, your knowledge is better than mine. Well, it's more my era. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then you have those pictures of Curtis Strange holding his head in his hands because he was the guy that, that Faldo um, took down on the closing stretch with that gutsy up and down from 100 yards, wasn't it? And, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting anyone has picked anyone on some sort of old pals act, but I think you, you can't... You can't afford to go down that route because there's too much at stake. Indeed, indeed. And the Eurasia Cup wasn't the only event that the European Tour were involved in last week. There was also the Joburg Open, which yeah. um, was it was a good tournament and it wasn't the strongest field of the year. It's not going to be the strongest field of the year. They've got the um, 
the, the Middle East Ring coming up, which is a very yeah. big uh, point of the year. But it's always a good time to find out who the kind of good young players coming, <laughs> especially coming out of South Africa well, are. Yeah, I mean, it may not be the uh, the biggest tournament, but it's one of the biggest fields of the year. Something like. Yeah, huge field. So, so two thirds of the people playing are not going to make any money. So that's you know a harsh reality. If you've flown over from Europe to South Africa, and you're not in the top third, you're, you're going to make a loss on the week. But such is life on the European tour. Indeed. Um, but you know you, you'd be a fool. I'm, I'm not a betting man these days. But if I was, you would always be looking at South African players uh, for South African events. The trouble is picking the right one. Now, I don't know a lot about Haydn Porteous, but I think you got a little bit of an insight, didn't you, to say? Yeah, uh, Bert Wiesberger's manager, uh, Sean Webster, is uh, his manager as well. And um, he was he was a very good, very, very strong uh, young amateur, same age as Brandon Stone, interestingly. So the two of them, one, one week after the other, they, they've grown up together and kind of gone toe-to-toe with each other through the, the amateur ranks and now into the professional ranks. Um, Turn Pro uh, had a few... Uh, stint, uh, a good stint on the Challenge Tour last couple of years probably should have made it onto the European Tour but just missed out and um, sort of waiting for that big moment really to happen in his career and now it seems to have happened apparently he hits it an absolute mile uh, So, which of the young players don't to be honest I mean I was talking good point. to um, Johan Carlsen today and he was telling me he carried his three wood 245 metres on the fly so, a bit like you <laughs> a little bit like me with an extra wedge added in afterwards <laughs> so I mean that's just uh, well, one he, he struggles to want to use the word obscene, but I mean, carrying a three with 275 yards is pretty um, long. Ludicrous. <laughs> pretty ludicrous. Ludicrous would be a good word. So, I mean, and he was saying that these guys are brought up to hit it hard and, and deal with it where, wherever it goes. And if they can add the accuracy in as well, then all well and good. But there is much more of a focus these days on hitting it as far as possible. Yeah, and he's now qualified. Hayden Porteous is qualified for the uh, Open. Yeah. As has Anthony Wall. Alexander Lombard, was it? Anthony Wall, interesting. I, I did read somewhere, and I couldn't quite believe it, that going into the last round where he was either in the lead or right up there, uh, had he won, it would have been his first win for 16 years. which um, God, a long career, isn't it? Time flies. I mean, he's had a very steady career, uh, but only won the once back in South Africa in 2000. Um, I first came across him when I caddied for a friend of mine in the uh, Open qualifying at Hankley Common. And he was the other guy in the group, and he qualified from Ankeley Common to go on to final qualifying when he was still an amateur. And he didn't hit a, a fairway wood or a driver all round, just played the whole round with a two iron and a one iron, kept it in play, moved up to final qualifying. Yeah, he is, as you say, a very solid career, if unspectacular. I guess the word journeyman really fits the bill with, with Anthony Wall. I mean, journeyman's a slightly harsh term, but yes, if, if ever it was going to be used, it'd be someone like Anthony who's just always been there and never maybe quite delivered the number of wins that his amateur career promised. Uh, and finally over in the US uh, we had a, new, uh, a second two, second time yeah. Argentinian winner. Yeah. Am I right? You are right, yes. Won twice. He won last year in the... Uh, this is Fabian Gomez by the way who beat uh, Brant Snedeker in a playoff. It was a pretty exciting finish actually from what I could gather. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched a little bit of it, and uh, Gomez made a couple of back nine bogeys, and then he birdied 17 from about 10 feet. And the last hole, he just missed the green. He was on the fringe, and he boxed it at some pace from about 25 feet. Uh, Snedeker then got up and down to force the playoff. Um, and then Gomez, from pretty much the same position on the second playoff hole, had a putt for an eagle on more or less the same line as the putt he'd hold to make the playoff, and he left that just a fraction short, but Snedeker couldn't hold it from whatever it was, 10 feet. And, uh, you know, he's now up to 55th in the world. 
There are two Argentinians in the top 55 with uh, Grio, Emiliano Grio, also up there in 32nd place. So yeah. it looks like there may be a new breed of uh, South Americans and particularly Argentinians coming through. Uh, which is great because you need the, that, those different characters. Don't we? We've got, you look at the players that we've met today, we've, we've between us spoken to players from all over the world. And yeah. It does add a good bit of character and a bit of life to these tournaments. Absolutely. I mean, Argentina's had its good players in the past from Di Vincenzo and Vicente Fernandez. You won't remember, but no. older <laughs> listeners will remember him doing a, a somersault on the final green at the Belfry when he won possibly the English Open back there in the 80s or early 90s. And then more recently, Eduardo Romero, who had uh, one of the most rhythmical swings that was ever um, out there on the European tour. And then more recently, um, obviously, Cabrera and his uh, major exploits at Augusta and in the US Open. Indeed, indeed. Um, and so, yeah, they tend to be exciting players, don't they? Is that that's fair, fair, fair to say? Uh, possibly. I mean, maybe that's just us attributing South Americans with that kind of excitement factor anyway. But, yeah, um, Gomez looks as though he could be one to um, do big things. Two wins in, I don't know what it is, six or eight months. Uh, Grio, who played on the European tour to, to you know, as a fledgling career, couldn't quite deliver a victory there. Then he went out to America, won the Web.com Tour Championship. Two weeks later, maiden win on the Fries.com Open. Is it Fries.com? Fries. Yeah, that's right. Fries. And uh, that was the first event, although ironically, it was in October last year, it was the first event of this season. So, you know, uh, uh, South Americans, Argentinians have won two of the events so far on this year's PGA Tour rankings. Um, well, that was the uh, the event over there in the in Hawaii, no less. Yeah. Nice nice place to start the year. Nice. I was just looking at some photos there and playing with the sea in the backdrop and palm trees, just behind a green on one of the holes. Um, yeah. Well, I can't really complain out in Abu Dhabi here, but it looked very nice indeed. Yeah. <laughs> that does bring us on to Abu Dhabi. And before we talk about the golf course, we're first going to hear from Bert Wiesberger. So uh, met met up with Bert earlier on today. We had some time with Bert through Titleist. So we spoke a little bit about the Eurasia Cup and then. Uh, I asked him some other quick-fire questions uh, that we will uh, that we're going to start in a new series, uh, asking some of the, the the guys out on tour. So first, we'll hear from Bert. Then we're going to hear from Golf Monthly photographer Kevin Murray, who's been coming out to uh, Abu Dhabi for quite a few years now uh, on his opinion on the golf courses out here. Okay, hello. You join me with Bert Wiesberger. Bert, hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And before we get into it, just explain to me, just paint the picture of where we are because we're stood in quite a spectacular place, aren't we? Yeah, you could find probably uh, worse, worse parts of the world right now. So uh, we're standing on, uh, I don't know which tee it is, but... Uh, it's the sixth. The sixth tee of uh, uh, Sadiat Golf Club, uh, right in front of the St. Regis Hotel for... Um, yeah, we're here during the uh, HSBC Abu Dhabi Golf Championship. So um, getting the week started. It's not a, not a bad place to start the week, is it? Um, but before we get into some of my quick, quick, quick fire questions I've got for you, just a quick word on last week's Eurasia Cup. It was a... It looked like a fantastic week from the outside, from us looking in. It looked like it was great fun, like you were having, it was a good team atmosphere. Just give us a bit of an insight into what the week was like from, from your perspective. Yeah, no, it was a good build-up uh, with um, a couple of weeks off leading leading towards it. So everybody was rested, it was ready to go. Uh, and everybody was looking forward to um, to playing for um, uh, for Darren and for the European Tour and for, for Europe in general. So uh, I think even though there was uh, 12 individual golfers there representing Europe um, we we had a great team atmosphere we had a great captain Darren we had a great backup team uh, helping us out all week uh, everybody was really excited to be there and and uh, play for that team and uh, and support each other and uh, you know at the end of the day um, we played fantastic golf over three days the whole team did and um, 
you know, was was a lot of fun being part of it. And from your perspective, the partners that you played with, who, who did you um, particularly feel like you, you gelled with? I mean, obviously the score speaks for itself, but who did you get on with? Who did you who did you enjoy playing with last week? No, I mean, out of out of those eleven guys, uh, I was in team where I would have played with anyone. Uh, I got to play with Ian uh, first out, which was an honor to to kind of open the event, and uh, we got a the first point down for Europe as well in the four balls. Uh, we did really well. We uh, we connected well as a team. We uh, uh, each each other made birdies when the other one didn't, so it, it was a good team effort, and uh, it was nice to get actually, as I said, that that first point down. Uh, four sums um, I played with Ross, uh, who I know really really well, and we played the uh, practice round in that format uh, in the leading up leading up to it already. So uh, we we knew what we were expecting, and uh, we had a really strong pairing against us um, uh, with the two Korean boys who played really well, and uh, you know it took us uh, seven under par over 18 holes to to win two up. So again, we played uh, really well together, and um, it was good atmosphere. But as I said, any one of those 11 guys I would have enjoyed playing with. And just a quick word on Darren's captaincy. Obviously, he's going to be in the spotlight because of the, the Ryder Cup coming up. But just a, a quick word on, on how you felt Darren sort of led the team last week. No, I think he's done a really good job. But what it came down with was that it was, um, uh, you know, 10 semi-experienced guys with um, who hadn't played too much team golf uh, as on a professional basis. That's just how it came down with the final race to Dubai rankings. And uh, with picking Ian and Lee, he got two guys in that, in that team room who... Um, spread the atmosphere what it what it's all about uh, this week uh, also leading up to the Ryder Cup uh, getting the team into the right mood uh, you know having having somebody to talk to um, on uh, numerous occasions in uh, leading up to the event uh, at the, in the team room in during dinner during breakfast and uh, it, was a, it was a great atmosphere and, and Darren did a great job there uh, also the team he brought with um, um, through stats guys and and, uh, and Jamie Lane who did a wonderful job helping out as a uh, um, on the course as well, um, it was a, it was just all over, planned really well uh, from from Darren and obviously uh, him as the captain. You wanna you wanna uh, show show him that you're ready for yeah. for come come September, obviously. And uh, everybody in the team room and on, on the course was eager to do that. Cool. Okay, Ben. So I've got a few other questions for you, slightly uh, random questions um, for the Golf Monthly podcast. So so here we go. Uh, who's got the best golf swing on the European Tour? Uh, who's got the best golf swing? Um, just probably from looking at it aesthetically, I would probably take uh, Peter Ulan. Got a pretty solid golf swing. And would you rather play um, tournaments for more money with fewer crowds or less money with bigger crowds? <laughs> um. I, you know, it's it's fun playing in front of great crowds. So, but it's also fun playing for for a nice uh, nice purses. So <laughs> let's keep it as a nice nice um, uh, leveled um, bit, of both. bit of both, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got to make a living. And uh, who's more? Who's most likely out of these players to beat Jack Nicklaus's record? Tiger, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Jason Day? Well, I think nowadays it's so tough to get up to that number. Uh, so if you're close to it uh, already, you probably have the best chance just because of the pure talent that, that's coming out of uh, the golfing world every year. So um, the biggest chance probably has Tiger, but, but um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's so difficult to win those events nowadays um, with, with the incredible amount of talent that is out there. Um, 18 is a lot.
18 is a lot. 18 is a lot. Um, okay, so you've missed the cut and need a night out to cheer yourself up. Which two players do you take with you? Um, uh, probably take Marcel Seam and um, probably Nico Kolsatz because he knows where the best music is played. I think those two would be quite a popular choices, no? Uh, you could say that, maybe. <laughs> um, who's the best Ryder Cup captain of all time? Well, it's tough for me to say. because You can't say Darren Clark, by the way. Yeah, I can't say really anyone because uh, I think it really depends on, on, on what happens uh, during that week. And unfortunately, I haven't had the privilege to be part of a team yet. So, um, But I've had the honor to, to be um, captained by, by Jose Maria during the um, uh, Royal Trophy a couple of years ago. And he was absolutely wonderful. And I've heard many great things from, from uh, McGinsey as well during the Glen Eagles Ryder Cup. So um, I don't think I'm in a position to, to spot... To, to spot one out uh, simply because I haven't haven't uh, been in the team room uh, at a Ryder Cup yet. Um, but um, you know, it's been a pleasure playing for for Jose Maria a couple of years ago. Okay, cool. And um, would you rather win one major or ten tour titles? One major. What's the favourite club in your bag? Anyone that says titles has got a camera on it. Oh no, you can't <laughs> say that. Come on, Ben. Tell me. Um, <laughs> Now, you know, I um, it's really tough to, to pick one out uh, just because I want to have uh, spread the love equally, uh, as you would say. But, um, you know, you could have the most fun with a lob wedge probably. Okay, okay. Um, name one young player that you think is set to, uh, set to do great things in the game. Uh, Got to gotta name, can, can name a, a few, but uh, just recently witnessing what he's capable of doing I gotta gotta um, say Matt Fitzpatrick um, if you could swap one part of your golf game for one part of somebody else's golf game what would you pick Jordan Spieth putting it's an easy answer really isn't it yeah um, was not much thinking I was there <laughs> um, and okay, we've had a chance to already think about this what's the most embarrassing moment you've had on the golf course <laughs> uh, I still uh, can't come up with, a, with an answer um, you know as a kid I broke a lot of drivers so after the round I felt a bit embarrassing for, for why I did that um, I can't really recall a really embarrassing moment uh, until some, some I'm not proud of but not embarrassing like you know uh, you would try and crawl into a hole. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Ben. Thanks for joining us, and good luck this week in Abu Dhabi. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Right, so you now join me with Golf Monthly photographer Kevin Murray. Kevin, hello. How are you? I tap, so I'm good, thanks very much. Enjoying the sunshine, late evening uh, sunshine here at Sadiat Beach. It's one of my favourite golf courses out here in Abu Dhabi. So Yeah, there's a good selection, actually, because there's Abu Dhabi Golf Club that we know from the tournament. There's Sadiat Beach, which is a Gary Player-designed golf course, and there's Yaz Island as well. Tell us a little bit about the three golf courses and kind of any travelling golfers who come to Abu Dhabi, what they might expect from those three golf courses. Well, I, actually, I think it's quite a unique um, uh, lo location because you've got three completely different golf courses. You know, with, uh, with Sadiat, you've got the holes that come down by the beach. Um, with uh, Yaz, you've got holes that um, 
uh, run by uh, the creek that comes in. And then with uh, Abu Dhabi, it's more like a parkland golf course. It's not a parkland because it's obviously desert, but it's more in town. So you haven't got the great views that you've got on the other two golf courses. But you do have the thick rough and you do have some other challenges that, as you say, would be more akin to a sort of parkland challenge. Absolutely. And the, the rough this year, um, they're having a look at that for the competition. And, uh, uh, you know, having played after um, uh, the, the comp um, on the, the, the last day, um, we know how difficult that rough can be. You think it looks, uh, it doesn't look too bad, but if you get stuck in there, you can't get more than a wedge out of it. No, you certainly can't. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so you're, you are a photographer, uh, you know. So, uh, but, sake. <laughs> um, if you had to pick one of the three golf courses to take photographs of, which, which one would it be? That's a tough question, actually. Um, Abu Dhabi is different um, because most of the times I've been out there, it's always had the, uh, you know, the, the, the stands and everything that goes with the competition. I have shot it clean and there's some great golf holes there, but you need elevation on that. Uh, Sadiat has been a, a really nice project for me because I've been shooting this since the very beginning. Uh, and Yaz I've shot a couple of times and I've got to come back and shoot it uh, later this year. So. Um, You're not answering my question. No, I'm, I'm deliberately steering away from it um, because, I've, you know, I've... I've uh, 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 stop it. Uh, I'm not going to let you get away from it. You've got to answer my question. Sadia. There you go. Okay, so no, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, Abu Dhabi Golf Championship 2016. It's a tournament that you've been to quite a few times now. Well, Kev, how many times? work it out. Whether it was um, 2010, I think. So this is probably um, my seventh. Um, yeah, seventh time. Okay, and... Looking at the golf course as you know it, who are the players that you think are likely to challenge this week? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm slightly biased again because um, we we do a lot of work with uh, the Titleist team, and um, I do a lot of like, and I've got to know a lot of the players personally. Um, so you know, we've just done a shoot with uh, Bernd Weisberger, and you know, he's just come off the Eurasia um, competition, and I think they play really well down there. So, and he normally plays well out, well out here. So, you know take the three big guys out uh, then you've got Byrne that could have a chance uh, also one of my favorites is uh, Rafa Cabarabello uh, and he's had a good run out here before then you've got Shane Lowry who um, you know you can't you can't dismiss him and he's a you, can, you actually can and I'll tell you why you can because he's not actually playing this week of course he's not <laughs> very good uh, but anyway uh, so I'm going to dismiss <laughs> Shane Lowry this week <laughs> Yeah, no, it's because I've got to do a photo shoot with him and he was meant to be coming out here, so I can bounce. Whatever, whatever. Um, okay, so, but can, can you, genuinely, can you see past Rory? Rory will be in the shake-up regardless, won't he? Or is this, should he have played go, before, the, uh, this week, going into the, the season? It's such a huge week, isn't it, Abu Dhabi? And if he wins it, it could be a great year. Should he have played before this week? You, uh, cast your mind back to I think it was probably the second time that we came, came out here and we um, we did a photo shoot with Rory on this very hole here which is the fifth at Sadiac and uh, I don't think he'd hit a golf ball for something like six weeks and um, he did a warm-up swing hit two drives of 300 yards long and we could throw a blanket over the two of them in the middle of the fairway so if he's not been playing, he's been practicing, you know, the talent that he's got is just unbelievable. So he's definitely going to be up there. And of course, he's had a very good record. He's not won, but he's always been there or thereabouts, come second several times and third several times. So um, he, you can't you can't dismiss him. But then you've got Spieth out there and, you know, he just turns up and wins every time, doesn't he? So be interesting to see how he gets on with the greens out here with his putting. I don't think it's going to really matter, but... 
those two guys yeah maybe it's got to be one of those if um but then again it also throws up some other people doesn't it that um yeah we saw we saw uh, gary Stahl earlier and we spoke to him a little bit about winning here last year and he was one of those players that just came out of the blue i mean any tournament you can get a guy that comes out of the blue to win uh, this is no different what, can you remember what he shot how, how many under was i don't know but all, i can't remember what he shot last year but i do know that when kaima was winning these tournaments here he got up to 18 under par around the golf course here and that seems an incredible score to me because i as i said we've both played the golf course it's very difficult are you are you surprised by how good the scoring is around there yeah, I do. I mean, we're we're just mere mortals, you know. And of course, any any flaws in there? Yeah, especially you, especially me. And uh, well, I'm getting old now, so I'm still get it out there. But um, yeah, you, those guys don't miss fairways, and you know, if they're missing fairways, they might just be missing it on the wrong side rather than the right side. And that actually is a bit of a test out here with some of the holes. If you you know, you've got to know where to hit it to, um, especially the long par fives to get to a chance to get up into. But these guys can do that. Yeah, they've been doing it for the last since I've been coming out here with the, you know, with the, the equipment that's out there now, and uh, you know, the the, the the new balls are out there. So the distance isn't really a big issue for uh, for them. Um, if they do get in the rough, it doesn't seem to bother them as much as it would do you or me. So that's probably why you know they can score. They can they can get it around and uh, and go low. I don't know this year if we'll see eighteen under. If uh, Paul Booth, who's the new uh, manager here, um, you know, uh, we, we were talking to him earlier on and he said we were looking at the rough because we don't want to make it unfair, but we just want it to be edgy. <laughs> well, that's a very good comment. Um, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, Kev, thanks for joining us. OK, so that was Kevin Murray, one of Golf Monthly's uh, oldest contributors. <laughs> oldest in both sense of the words. Um, long-standing. Lo- sorry, long-standing. Long-standing. Um, uh, so yeah, um, time to move our attention on to Abu Dhabi now and talk a little bit about uh, the golf course and the likely challenges that we think. Um, firstly, Jez, talking about the golf course, uh, you know it fairly well. You've been out here for quite a few years now. Um, what sort of player does well around this golf course? It's a specific type of challenge that this this golf course poses. Yeah. Well, I mean, Martin Keimer, how about that? <laughs> well, that's a very good one. You know, he's he's had a fair degree of success out here. Um, it's interesting when we come out here we, we speak to the players and someone will always say oh struggling to get it around that place the rough's so thick if you hit it in the rough you're just wedging out sometimes and then come the end of the week someone shot 18 under so yeah and it's interesting i spoke to gary Stahl earlier and he said it's very difficult if you're not quite on your game but if you, you're hitting it well off the tee he, he said the really frankly the the big separator at this golf course is, is how well you drive the ball um if you hit the fairways and you're long then you can score around this place. And so it does tend to work into a bit of a driving competition, I think. Well, I think that's from what I've spoken to other players about, that's true. If you're in the rough, you, you can't win around here. If you're hitting 75, 80% of the fairways, you've probably got a chance. I played in, it wasn't the Pro-Am, it was a sponsor's day one year. And if you strayed into the rough, certainly with my uh, moderate uh, clubhead speed, you were just chopping it out with a fairly lofted implement sometimes. <laughs> I know these guys are a lot more powerful and generate a lot more clubhead speed than that. But you won't find a winner this week um, in amongst the rough, that's for sure. No, that's that's fair. So it's going to be Rory, isn't it, then? Uh, possibly. I mean, he's. Uh, has he played since the Dubai? No, hasn't played. So I'd spotted that he would been at Jamira Golf Estates practicing earlier this right. week. So out of Dubai at the moment and, and had been practicing, but 
hasn't played since then. Uh, do you think he could come to Aberdeen? I mean, he's been so close to winning here in the past. Is it because he hasn't played much before when he comes here that he may be a little bit ring rusty and not quite uh, on the sort of competitive edge that gets him over the line? Or is it just one of those things? Is he going to win? Oh, I think ultimately it's just one of those things. He seems to have a game purpose-built for this place as long as he's straight off the tee. I think he didn't have a spectacular hole in one here one year. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Last year. Um, so, you know, uh, I think he's got as good a chance as anybody, hasn't he? Well, a lot better chance than many of them. Uh, Ricky Fowler's making his, I think it's his second appearance here. Um, he's obviously a very exciting player. Do you think he can he can go toe-to-toe with Rory on one of these golf courses that, that rewards such good driving? I think so. I mean, Ricky showed us last year that he's um, capable of travelling and winning, didn't he, when he came over to, to Scotland, was it Gullen last yeah. year, I think, and, and took the Scottish Open. So he's uh, one of these players, you know, some of the Americans over the years maybe haven't travelled as well. I think the latest breed travel quite comfortably. They, they, they do, and, and that leads me on to Jordan Spieth. So he, obviously he's the, the third member or probably the first member of the, this great driver this particular week. Having not seen the golf course before... Um, do you think he could come hit here out of the blue and, and win? Uh, well, I've spoken to two or three players there, and one of the questions on our little uh, quiz is um, which part of someone else's game would you most like to have? And to a man, people have said Jordan Spieth's putting, which perhaps is not surprising given that he doesn't actually miss, does he, at the moment? No, and Bert, uh, funnily enough, I asked the same question to Bert, and he said the same thing. <laughs> there you go, that's a uh, full house on the, which, you know, but, uh, you know, when someone is putting that well, Clearly, you're going to want that part of their game, aren't you? It's uh, it's on a dip for whatever reason at the moment. He's on a different plane to everybody else. It, you know, in some ways, it's amazing that not more people are looking at the hole when they're putting. <laughs> it is. I think I might start trying. Yeah, yeah, try we, we all should. Okay, so obviously that's the three favourites, and hardly sticking our necks out to plump for one of the three favourites. Uh, let's each pick somebody who might not be a favourite, somebody who might be a little bit lower down in the in the betting to do well uh, Kevin as everyone knows Kevin picked uh, Bert Wiesberger and Rafa Cabrera partly because he'd spoken to both of them earlier in the day Bert Wiesberger wasn't he at the time <laughs> exactly uh, uh, but Jez uh, who, do you, who would you fancy to go well this week uh, let, I mean is Martin Keimer classed as an outsider well I, I, on, I guess on current form yeah. he, he's won it three t- twice three times he's won it at least three times and he, was, he threw it away last year didn't he last year yeah, so I mean, there, if ever, you know, horses for courses is the old phrase, isn't it? And this course appears to be made for him. It was also made for Paul Casey back a few years. He won it a couple of times. Okay, but let's let's take Martin out of the equation. I'm not giving you that. I mean, uh, is Andy Sullivan an outsider? Uh, he should, yeah. He shouldn't even, maybe anymore. But uh, yeah, he's, um, he's elevated this game to a whole new level. Uh, finished last year superbly, going toe-to-toe with Rory. I don't know what he's been doing over Christmas, but I'm imagining he's going to be ready to come back out all guns blazing. So uh, he obviously did well in. Did he? I don't know how many matches he won in the Eurasia Cup, but he was. Oh yeah, played well in the Eurasia Cup. Yeah. Cup. So he's done well out there. Why not just keep it going? You know, he's he's going to be pretty much a hot favourite for one of those newcomers to the Ryder Cup team, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts this season as he started last season. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to plump for Ben Ann. Yeah, I think he he's a great he's, he hits the ball beautifully. One of those ball strikers who just seems to be in complete control. And I don't know, there's something about him that says that he he managed to somehow beat Matt Fitzpatrick to Rookie of the Year last year, which is fairly good going, isn't it? Considering the year that Matt had. 
That is, I mean, that uh, probably the best ever battle for Rookie of the Year, wasn't it? And obviously Ben Ann winning at Wentworth just gave him that extra little bit of cash, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, and I can I can just see him as a as a world class player. I mean, I just I just think those two, Fitzpatrick and Ann, are going to just keep going and going and going. And I just feel that this possibly might be the golf course that would suit him. And that's a, a bit of a random choice because he, I don't know what his record is around here, but I'm not. I don't remember him playing here particularly well in the past, but he looks like one of those players who looks as if he could just turn up anywhere and play well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, having spoken to Johan Carlson today, I think uh, Peter Hansen, was another guy I spoke to, was telling me he, he's an up-and-coming guy. He maybe didn't quite deliver on his promise last year. Sometimes they take two or three years to really find their feet. Maybe he's going to step it up a, a bit this year. And if you're hitting it, 280 with your three wood you're probably going to get 320 with your driver so if you can also add in that element of straightness you require around here who knows who knows indeed well that is this coming week on the european tour it should be very exciting uh, thank you for joining us as always please do uh, follow us on all the various different social media channels so uh, please do look look out for us on twitter and facebook instagram as well because we have a whole host of things going on especially this week in Abu Dhabi we've got lots of pictures and uh, little clips from interviews swing sequences and the rest uh, so keep an eye out for that but for now from Abu Dhabi and the clubhouse it's goodbye